Turn, me, turn with me, if you would, please, to Romans 12. I don't know if you've ever thought of this before, but if you have a Bible today, do you realize that you're holding God's will? When we stand here, we bring a Bible, we tuck it under our, our arm, we've got our Bible case in order that it won't get messed up or thrown around, whatever it is. Do you realize that God's Word is God's will? You're holding everything that God desires. You're holding a testament of how He's worked in history past. I mean, why do we have the Old Testament? Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of people who begrudgingly read the Old Testament. You know, you're going to be like, the Psalms count? I like Psalms, right? But sometimes we say, Leviticus? I don't see myself spending any time there ever, right? And Leviticus has got a lot of rich truth. If for no other reason, it continually tells us what God is like and how God interacts with people and how God desires for people to live out their greatest potential as he has designed. Not as how we create, not as how we commit ourselves, not as skills that we try to develop, not as athleticism that we try to exercise. There is so much that we paint that is a sad actor's attempt at what God desires to do in a much greater way. And how did this happen? Paul tells us something very interesting. Now, we're going to read Romans 12.1 and 12.2. Go together. Flow well. 12.1 is our memory verse. We want to definitely get that down. But our focus is 12.2 this morning. And I'll tell you what. Let's do something fun. Only the people who have the NASB can read this because that's what I have and we don't want to sound like a jumbled mess, right? So if you've got... The NIV or whatever you've got, look up on the board, read along with us. Let's read this out loud. Here we go. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Man, that's a good verse. Do you want to know God's will? Have you ever had those spiritual wilderness experiences? I just wish I knew what God's will was, and then we usually have a little for my life, right? The Word of God is the will of God, and we actually hold it within our hands. Now, we've been looking at this idea of what it is to be a living sacrifice, and we've been talking about the idea of the priesthood of the believer, and that there are things that we can bring as offerings to God that we've now been enabled by the Holy Spirit to do that are pleasing to Him. The idea that I can come to God, number one, that I can come to God, that's incredible, and Jesus makes that possible. But number two, that He has so blessed us in a way to where when we approach Him, 
It doesn't have to be, Lord, I did this and this and this and this, and you know that it was so bad, and I'm so sorry, and I try not to do it again. I don't know what's wrong with me. You know, it, we don't have to have downer moments with the Lord all the time. We can actually come to Him in a way and bring offering to Him that is pleasing. Let me ask you a question. Did you think about when the music started that the praise from our lips was going to be an offering to Him? Or are we just here to sing? You see how the difference in that mentality could change maybe the way that we approach that situation? You know, sometimes you look over at the person next to you, I really don't care for this song. Right? And the Lord Jesus whispers in your ear, well then we won't sing it anymore since it's offending you so much. Is that what He does? Or is it really about glorifying the Lord? and putting our perspective heavenward? Is it about the fact that we have more support behind our voice? Because it's about giving Him glory, not about whether or not we're happy with it. Does everybody see how one is worldly thinking and a worldly approach to worship? And the other one is a godly approach to worship. Does everybody see that? No? I'm not getting any answers. I want answers. Good. Good. <laughs> Good. Stop talking. Good. There's a lot to be said about how we think. Look at verse 2. Do not. It's a prohibition. Don't do this. In fact, if we're looking at verse 1 and we understand the idea of a living and holy sacrifice, that's a very metaphorical way to, to paint something. It creates an image of a giving of yourself, a giving up of yourself in a different direction. And that tells us the what. Here's what it is. You're being a living sacrifice. Verse 2 is going to tell us the how. Let's put some mechanics to it. Here's how it works. Where do you start as a living sacrifice? Well, the first thing is, is that you do not be conformed to this world. Does everybody see the marginal note for world? You've got that. It's not the word cosmos in the Greek. It's the word aion. A-I-O-N. Pastor Steve can correct my grammar and pronunciation later. But it's the idea of age. The age in which we live in. Now, it's not just... 2021, or God forbid, 2020. It's not just those types of things. It's the idea of how things have been structured. You notice that everything in the world has a structure? It's the things that people view as most valuable. How many people get some sort of feed on the computer about what's trending? Anybody? Nobody. Raise your hand. It's okay. It's not ashamed. Sometimes we get news feeds of what's trending. You ever gone through that list and you go, I don't care. You ever done that? Every day. You go to Quick Trip to get gas, right? Punch in my pin number, making sure I don't scratch the paint. You might do that. You get it in there, you get your gas going, and all of a sudden, the gas pump wants to talk to me. Here's what's trending now. And what I think is, is something else I don't care about. Oh my gosh, Kenny Loggins is coming to Baraboo? Let's run! I don't know. 
Nobody cares about that. If you like Kenny Loggins, I'm sorry. But still, nobody cares about those things. But does everybody see that all of these mediums are a way of trying to feed in what we ought? Notice this, because it's a truth claim coming from a position. What we ought to value. This is what you ought to think is important. And the reason why something is trending is because there's a bunch of other people that think it's important. And therefore, you should value that as well. And it's trying to influence us in saying, if everybody else is going in this direction, why should you not subscribe to this so that you will be part of what's happening now as well? That's how the world works. That is worldly thinking. Let me give you some examples here. Number one, let's deal with the word conform. Everybody see the word conform? Do not. In fact, if I'm, if I'm correct, the way that the grammar is set up here is do not go on being conformed. As people who didn't have Christ at one time, there was a certain way that you lived and conducted your life, and it all had to do with the mind, how you thought. And therefore, you would value certain things, and you wouldn't value other things. Well, that's not you anymore. And you don't have to keep going that way. One of the greatest things I love about video games is you get a do-over. You might know that. Like, Mario never dies. Thank you for that. There's never a sad occasion. He just comes back. Okie dokie. He comes back again. You're ready to go. I love the fact that in Jesus Christ, I'm raised and I get a do-over. And not just a do-over, but I get a do infinitely better. Why? Because it's already all done for me. That's incredible. That's amazing. So now Paul wants to say, if we're going to do it God's way, let's do it better. And the first thing we have to start with, man, this is kind of a downer. Do not do this. Do not be conformed to this age. What does it mean to be conformed? How many of us have been to the beach? How many of us taken kids to the beach? Okay. And you've always got the pail, right? It's almost like it's an obligatory pail. I've got to take the pail to the beach. And why? What do you put in the pail? Sand. Why do you put sand in the pail? Because everybody else does it. Everybody else has got a pail. Where's your pail? Because everybody else does it. But what do you do? You pack, the, pack it in there. Even if you get like a fancy one from Walmart with the little turrets on it or whatever. And then you turn it upside down because you're going to make a sandcastle, right? You pull the pail off, and what do you have? Usually a disaster. But if you do it right with enough water, all of a sudden you've got a structure. Why? Because it's conformed to that image. Any of you ladies ever done a jello mold? You've got, and you've got those little pans around your kitchen somewhere, right? And they look like butterflies and whatever else that you got going on. That's a mold. And you're going to pull that jello in there, and once it sets, you're going to turn it over and release it. And it's going to be conformed to an image. Here's a fun one. How about a girdle? <laughs> now, guys, don't lie. You guys have got a girdle on. Right? I came to Sunday. It's my Sunday best. I can't talk. That kind of thing. Why'd you do that? Because you're trying to conform your body to an image. Now I got your attention. What are ways that people conform themselves to an image? Let's think about this real quick. Just run through a couple of things and see if this applies to you. 
Or if you can think of situations of people you know that are involved in this. Number one, recognition. They just want to be seen. Everybody know the one-up guy? Whatever story you're trying to share at that time, the guy across the table's got one better. He did it bigger. It was more expensive for him. He fought harder. He came out more successful. And his trophy is more shiny. That's an idolization of self. That's the way that the world works. I'm greater than you. How about this one? Family. I just love my kids. A person that once, when we used to do the fold-out wallet pictures, but theirs was 143 pictures long. Right? Now we have everybody scroll through for years of what they look like. And we idolize our family. There's nothing greater than family. It's all about family. I will sacrifice my own personal convictions in order to keep the family together. Well, we're not going to talk about that wrong thing that they did so that we can have harmony in the family. And it doesn't matter whether truth exists or not. It matters that we've idolized our family. Family's the most important thing. If you know anything about Vince Lombardi, you know that even he didn't believe that. Is family the most important thing? Or do we run the risk of idolizing that? I mean, the family is what sets the tone for the culture. Don't get me wrong. People want to try to tell you that it's government or music or celebrities. It's not. It's how the family works. And this is the reason why we got a fatherlessness problem going on in America because Satan is trying to dismantle the family and therefore dismantle the culture. Well, the swinging opposite of that is, is we so glorify the family that it sits on the throne of God. That's worldly thinking. That's exactly what they want us to do. They don't care how we do it. Satan doesn't care how you do it. He just wants you to erect an idol that is not Yahweh. Doesn't care what it is. Because he knows all the other idols point to him. He just doesn't want it to be God. How about this one? Celebrities. Glamorous and a high profile. You know some of my most favorite things to see on the internet? That's not even on. You want to know? When they catch celebrities without their makeup on. Woo! All glory is out the window. I love it. Why is that? Because you say, oh my gosh, they look just like me. Praise God. They're not so special after all. That's incredible. Do you realize that if you take Olivia Moon's, everybody know her? Supermodel type girl? You take her makeup off, she's really Gary Busey underneath. You guys don't know that? <laughs> now I got your attention. That's good. But notice it's the creation of a facade. Why? Because people want to be noticed. People want to be noticed. Is there anything wrong with looking put together? No. There's everything wrong with flaunting for the sake of being the center of attention. That's idolatry. Guys, stop bragging. Stop bragging. Stop idolizing your experience so that other men think greatly of you. Not all will, and when you find out that all don't, that will crush you. Because you've built it up to be the end-all, be-all. Ladies, 
Pull your top up. Stop showing the goods. They don't belong to anybody else but your husband. And if you're not married yet, they already belong to him. You're just not there yet. But there is no reason for you to idolize yourself and objectify yourself to put you in a position because you've got to have that attention and you're so hungry for it. Understand, guys, that, that's, a, that's a sad commentary on how we've been trained to portray ourselves. And it's worldly thinking. We're falling right into the mold. We're just another poorly put together castle on the sand. God has better. How about money? Because we like stuff. What can I get? What are you going to give me now? How can I get the next thing? Well, you just got that thing. Yeah, but I want the next thing. Tom Brady, what's your favorite Super Bowl? The next one. How many Super Bowls that man got? Six? Seven? You guys know. I understand. We're mad because Aaron's only got one. But think about this. Is that not enough? For him, it's not. What's going to happen when he retires? It's going to be interesting. How about drugs? Don't play. We love our drugs. We love our drugs, prescription or not. We love our drugs, FDA approved or not. We idolize drugs. Listening to one psychologist speak, he said, do you realize that if everybody stopped taking their prescription meds that they've received, just on the psychological side of things, we're not talking about medical drugs, the psychological side, that the bottom would fall out of the American economy. It would plunge us into a great depression. But we idolize it. Why? We're idolizing a feeling. We're idolizing control. Is that something the Lord's selling us? Or is that something the world's selling us? Are you saying it's wrong for me to be on drugs? Depends on what drugs you're on. See, we always want wiggle room to try to rationalize what the preacher said. But what about this? But what about this? Why is it so important to you? Why do we have to hold on to it so tightly? Here's a big one, community. A sense of belonging. God's already done that. It's called the church. But we should be welcoming everyone and excited that people walk through the door and loving one another and asking, how can I help? And giving up a lot of personal preference for the sake of reaching across to care for somebody that might not be that forthright, but you can tell from a distance something's wrong. Something's wrong. Does everybody recognize in this room that the gay community is doing a better job of loving people than we are? If that shocks you, it should. Now, we don't see what goes on behind the scenes. And we by no means accept sin. That's called insanity. But the idea of the fact that people need to understand that they are valuable, that they're worth something, that they were created by a holy God with purpose, that he desires great things for their life, not just good things, not just selfish things, great things. 
great things. How about those people who think they know more than God? There's a word for that. It's called secularism. Anybody familiar with that? Secularism? Let me give you an example. Who knows the name Carl Sagan? Carl Sagan, anybody? When he died, he was considered the smartest man on the face of the earth. The cosmos. Everybody remember that? Cosmos. He makes an incredible statement. The universe is all there is. It's all there was. And it's all that will ever be. Matter is the only thing that matters. And he would tell you to your face, there is no God. What is he idolizing? Creation. See, the Bible tells us about this. They idolize the creation rather than the creator. This is the way the world thinks. These are the things that they value as true. And this is why such words as bigot, homophobic, fundamentalist, are used as words to cut us off at the knees, to get us to shut up, that our manipulation tactics, so that we will have no voice at the platform of depravity, trying to assert light and truth in an incredibly dark place. What is Paul telling us? You want to worship God with your whole being? You don't think like that. You don't get poured into the mold. That's not the way to go. Now, happy stuff, but be transformed. Now, I can relate to that because I'm a kid of the 80s, and Transformers were huge. I don't know if you knew this, it's more than meets the eye. I love Transformers. They were so cool. It's a truck. It's a robot. Whoa, right? And that's the same type of idea here. We were one way. But God desires to do a transformative work in your life. Who does the work? God. Oh my gosh, that's the first step to thinking as God wants us to. Get my hands off myself. It's not about me reforming myself, going out and finding myself, renewing myself. Well, I just had to do this so I could feel better about myself. We've fallen victim to that, right? We've fallen into those things. We've bought into whatever the world's trying to sell us to think that it will be a new you. Anybody in here ever been a new you? What happened to that person? They became the old me. Exactly. Because we find that there really is no hope in this life regardless of what people are trying to tell us and the things that will make us better. Thankfully, there's a change that God wants to make. But B, do not be conformed. Don't go that direction. But be transformed. How? Look what he says. By the renewing of your mind. If revival needs to take place anywhere, it's here. Anybody ever heard a preacher preach a sermon on stinking thinking? Anybody heard about that? You need to get that stinking thinking out of your life. It's that same type of idea. When our mind is 
embracing the things that are corrupt and falling apart in the world, we sometimes wonder, well, what's wrong with me? Why are things falling apart and corrupt in how I'm looking at it? It's because what we're allowing into our minds is not things that can renew. There's only one thing that can renew the mind. What is it? The Word of God is the will of God. And in order for me to be able to live out the will of God, I have got to know the Word of God. There's no other way. Nothing that we will ever do will ever be pleasing to God when it's done apart from His Word. It never happens. If it becomes a situation where we are going against our mental convictions, then we've all become hypocrites. Because this is what God expects me to do. There's no love in that. There's no internal conviction in that. That's putting on performances in order to please other people. Now we've jumped to the other category. Does everybody realize that the church has a conformity model? Because the world has so infiltrated it. And how did they do it? By our thinking. By our thinking. See, the thing up for grabs always is the mind. You guys freak out because I think we ought to have church for two hours and pray and sing more. Oh my gosh! How much education time does the world get with us? How much instruction time? What does school look like? Anybody starting with an almighty creator as the basis in order to build a child's education anymore? That seems kind of important to me. Because if he's the creator of all things, is that not where you start? But we've settled for whatever. There's a word for it. It's called paganism. And it means we don't believe there's a creator God and that's where we're going to start. And we wonder why suicides are up. And we wonder why drug use is up. We wonder why people keep going for that bottle. And we wonder why people can't stop sleeping with other people. Because it's all a sad attempt to try to find an identity that the world cannot give us. It's conform or be gone. Let me give you a great example. <laughs> this is silly. I got to get some water for this one. I'm going to say this name. Tell me if you know. Boy George. Anybody know that name? Right? Culture Club. 1980. See, that's where I'm from. That sounds exactly like a Wisconsin answer. Okay. Gotcha. The incredible thing about Boy George is he was always honest about who he was. He's a gay man. Always. Never hid it. Never pretended. Never played like he wasn't. Never kept it a secret. In the 80s, when all that stuff was starting to catch on because it was coming out of the underground of the 70s, he was out there first and foremost before anybody else was. He was living like the world, for the world, for himself, all the time. And I don't want to say that I respect that, but good grief, he wasn't lying. And then as you notice, as his band passed off the scene, and as he started to get older, 
and how you couldn't keep the skin in certain places anymore. And shaving's a little bit more difficult. And my knees are aching. I mean, it's just everything that plagues us as we go through life and get older, yeah? And still trying to keep that profile. And what happened? He got so strung out on cocaine. There's a video out there of him trying to give an interview in the mid-90s. He can barely form a sentence. Because he's so strung out, trying to stay relevant, trying to stay fresh, trying to meet appearances, trying to live up to this aura that he had created around himself. He ended up kidnapping somebody and imprisoning them in their home, was sent to court for that and sentenced to community service. All the fashion choices were gone. All the makeup application left. All the wigs to be worn out the window. And instead, it is later aged boy George in an orange jumpsuit with a broom in one hand and a scooper in the other, cleaning up the streets of London. This world is passing away. It is fleeting. But it started with him buying into this idea. This is how to be special. This is how to be accepted. This is how to be someone. This is how everybody to look at me. This is how my friends will like me more. This is how I'll sell more records. This is how I'm going to be on MTV, back when they played videos, all the time. And what you find out is you can never satisfy the whole of self. Paul says, don't be like that. Don't waste your life continuing to pursue you. Let's do it right for a change. Let's not worry about the temporary smiles of the creation. Let's get in line with the eternal smile of the creator. It is an infinitely greater pursuit. Regardless of where you work. Regardless of what your family setting is. Regardless of how you were raised. Regardless of what people are telling you you ought to value in life. Heaven and earth might pass away. What does Jesus say? My word will never pass away. Why? If it's true, isn't it always relevant? It's the world that's out of step with the truth. So my mind needs to be renewed. I need a mind renewer. Why is that? Look what it says. He gives you that. Everybody see the words, so that. Sometimes we don't think a lot about the words, so that. Everybody see that? Sometimes we see so that, we go, so what? No, so that. Why? He gives you a reason. It will help you greatly if you write in there, R-E-A-S-O-N, a reason. Follow the logical thinking. We talk about reason in the mind. He's giving you a reason why this is important for you and I to have our minds renewed. So that you may prove. Because it's false, I need to prove it. No, you need to prove that you're saved. No, it's the idea of you begin to esteem it with great value. You become discerning in the situation, and it all deals with the mind being locked onto it. Of what? Look what it says. You may prove what the will of God is. If you're floundering in life and you're like, I just want to know what God's will is, it starts with thinking differently. And the only thing that can re-educate us from the mold of this world is a renewal that comes from God's Word. 
There is no other way that we need to be taken to school except by God. Period. It's got to start here. Stop worrying about this. Stop worrying about this. Stop worrying about this. In fact, I would go even far as to say stop worrying about this. Because all these things begin to come into line as the Holy Spirit uses God's Word in molding us into the image of Christ. See, it's not the conformity's wrong. It's the object of our conformity that's wrong. Being made into the image of Christ, that's everything God wants for every single one of His children. But it's the Word of God coupled with the Holy Spirit that changes us from the inside out to make that a reality. And we've got to let him do his work. We've got to let him take that. Notice that it is. It's good. means it's got a high value or standard. It's acceptable. That word acceptable there is the same idea of the living sacrifice acceptable in verse 1. It can mean well-pleasing. Makes God happy. Anybody want to make God happy? No? Come on. That should not be a piece of meal answer. As a church... Saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Do we want to make God happy? We start with His Word. Not only that, but it's perfect. Now this word perfect is often used in situations to speak of spiritual growth. Coming to maturity is the idea. But we can also understand it as getting the full measure of something. So how does this work? Who knows what this is? Anybody? What is it? It's a hard drive. It's a hard drive. What does it do? It does what? It crashes. <laughs> what does it do? It remembers. It what? It saves things. It stores information. Do you realize that a computer is nothing more than a human body without a soul? That's all it is. That's the difference. That that is supernatural, that animates us, is what sets us apart from that. Why is that? Don't we have one of these? What's it called? The brain. It's not the mind. The mind is Windows 7. That's what I did there. And if you love it enough, XP, right? See, what this does, what our brain does, is it just stores information. It just files it away, classifies it, puts it in certain parameters so that we can access it, understand it. Some of it we're forgetting. Bring it back up, whatever you want to say. But it's just where we put information. But as far as how we use the information that's been stored, that's the program that's running. The world is always looking for an opportunity to program. And what Paul is saying, if he were maybe writing this today under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he would say, church, don't continue to get programmed and programmed and updated. And there's another update and install by the world. They're always going to need to improve. They're always going to need to do something different. You're going to constantly come back to it. Instead, be reprogrammed by God's Word. Run this information differently. Everybody see that? We need some mind renewers. So, let me share with you one that I love. Go to Psalm 143. Now get ready, because I'm going to call on you next. 
Psalm 143. I need something that can renew my mind. Here's why I love Psalm 143. Two reasons. Number one, David is dealing with spiritual warfare, not physical warfare. It's about the unseen enemy that's trying to corrupt him into despair. Number two, David dealt with depression. Depression is not a modern-day 21st century symptom. Depression is as old as the Bible. And David, a man after God's own heart, struggled with it. Now, I don't know about you, but if, if David struggled with it, and we have it written down in here, I'd like to know how he struggled with it because it identifies with some of the things that we go through and how did he deal with it. Now we got some solutions on the table. How is that? The Word of God is going to do its renewing work. Look at Psalm 143.1. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplication. Answer me in your faithfulness, in your righteousness. Does he understand that God is faithful and righteous? What's he doing here? He's what? He's praying. Everybody see that? Answer me, God. Hear my prayer. Give ear to my supplications. Huh. Maybe when stuff's stressing us out, we need to start with prayer. There's a mind renewer. I love it. Let's renew it. Here we go. Great. My mind is renewed. I'm reprogramming it. Here we go. Look at this next. Verse 2. Do not enter into judgment with your servant. Does everybody see that as a desperate plea for mercy? Why would God enter into judgment with David at this point? Do we get any inkling that he's done anything wrong? I don't. But let's be honest. When we get discouraged, don't we even think that God is against us sometimes? Man, isn't that stinking thinking? If anything's stinking thinking, that's what it is. Look what he says, for in your sight no man living is righteous. Now watch this. What's going on inside David? Verse 3. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He feels ridiculed. Everybody see that? Look at the next one. He has crushed my life to the ground. I'm just feeling beat down today. The hits just keep on coming. Good grief. When is life going to stop? He says here, He has made me dwell in dark places like those who have long been dead. I feel like I'm laying in a grave. Isolated. Alone. Does David speak our language or what? This is how I feel, God. Help! Notice what he says, verse 4, Therefore my spirit is overwhelmed within me, and my heart is appalled within me. You know what that's saying? God, it's too much. I'm ready to give up. It's just too much. You felt like that before? Good grief. This world makes sure that we feel like that so it can sell us more of their candy. Then what does David do? Watch this. Verse 5, here's the remedy. Here's the mind renewer. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your doings. In other words, I'm, I'm focusing and I'm pondering on how you've been faithful, what you've done, what has God done. That's where my mind needs to be. I muse on the work of your hands, whether that be he's looking at creation or whether how God has intimately worked in his life. Does everybody see that the words remember, meditate, and muse have everything to do with the mind? Yes? 
when I was overwhelmed and feeling like I'm in complete spiritual darkness, I don't want to go on, I'm overloaded, I'm stressed out, I'm ready to quit, I'm done. How do I deal with it? What choice do I make to move forward? Who's going to type at this board? The world or the Lord? You see that? We're storing information. The question is, is how are we going to process it and run it? So I know the will of God. I've got to come back to who God is, what God has done, His basic attributes. God, my thinking is overwhelmed here. I need to think about the things of old. I need to think about what you've done in the past. I need to reset. Look what he says after that. Verse 6. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul longs for you as a parched land. That's a mind renewer. When I got overwhelmed with everything happening to me now, I needed to be thinking about everything that you've done. Why? Because if we know that God is consistent, His past faithfulness is going to equate and match His future faithfulness in my situation. Therefore, I don't need to be moved and I don't need to be afraid. Everybody see that? Type that in. Let that change you. Let me give you another one. Go to Psalm 16. Real quick, this beautiful woman sitting on the front row, I love her with my life. I texted her the other day, and I let her know what kind of day I was having. She texted me back, can you spend some time in Psalm 16? Well, that's where I should have been anyway, probably, (laughs) you know? But man, it's helpful to have that encouragement to goose me in that direction. Because I always come to it, I'm in Psalm 16. I've read it before. Right? Nope. She understands. You need something else, put in. And send it. Get it in there. Focus on something different. Get the mind renewed. Psalm 16. Look at verses 8 and 9. I have set the Lord continually before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. You ever gone throughout your day and felt shaken? Where's God in all that? Where is he? Think about what you know about him. Where is he? He's right there with you. He didn't leave you. He didn't even take a step away. He's on you more tightly than your deodorant is. He knows. He gets it. He's been there. He's with you. So I need to keep the Lord ever before me. Be mindful of the fact that His presence never leaves me. And if that's the case, look what it says. Because He's at my right hand. you know what that means? Where's your right hand? Everybody look down at your right hand. Where's it at? Where's it at? Look at it. Look at it. Don't look at me. Look, I'm not your right hand. Look at your right hand. Where's it at? Sitting on my lap, sitting on my Bible, Right? Because the Lord is at my right hand, He's right there. He's everywhere. Remember, there's never a place where you are where He is not. Even David said, if I go to the grave, you're there. I can't get away from you. If I go all the way up to the heights of heaven, you are there. I can never get out of your presence. For people that don't know the Lord, that's scary. For people who do know the Lord, that's life and peace 
and comfort. Look what it says in verse 9. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely. Because I went out and got a makeover, a pedicure, a manicure, is that the reason why? Is that the brand new me? No. It's because the Lord never leaves me, and I need to know that. And what are the results in nine? Heart, glad. My glory rejoices. Even my flesh dwells securely. The flesh is bad. It's dwelling securely right here because a piece of God's resting over it. That's something I need to renew my mind. Now, where's it at? Mitch, where's the mic? Got a wireless mic? Handheld mic? Let's do it. You got one back there? Somebody share with me a mind renewer. When you get discouraged and down, what in the Word of God corrects that stinking thinking? I want to know. Mary, go for it. The Psalms are always good, but I would go to 119. You could read forever because it's really nice and long, but it speaks of who he is, what he's done, and why we should glorify him. Which one? All of 119. Share it. I want to know it. We need it. Okay, well, we're, we're going to read all of Bring it. Psalm 119. No, I need, I need one that sticks out to you, one all that right. you go to. Well, that's what I'm saying. Okay. My I mind is messed up and I need in it. Here, so. It's all right. Okay. You can take my pushiness, it's okay. He told me I was going to do this this morning, so it's good. Um, One that I've marked in here is, Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. Ah! Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. Anybody spent any time in the law lately? No, law bad, grace good. The law is full of grace. Maybe sometimes we get miffed when we read the laws because we didn't say, Lord, open my eyes that I can see awesome things in your law. Because what it does is it testifies to the goodness of who God is. That's a mind renewer. If anything, keeping us from thinking poorly about portions of God's word when it's all inspired by him. What's another one? What's a mind renewer? Psalm 121, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and of earth. I lift my eyes. I look to the hill. Where does my hope come from? I look to the Lord. Why? He's the maker of heaven and earth. With as much time as Satan has used squeezing creation out of our mindset, we need the idea of an almighty creator inserted back into our mindset. Everything's testifying. But there's a big bang. Nobody explained how that got there. It's not a sufficient answer. It doesn't cover all the bases. So coming back to the fact that He is my creator and He is my help. Huge. Huge. Psalm 103, especially verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget none of His benefits. Forget none of His benefits. Now see, that's a dangerous one but it requires you to get out a pen and a legal pad and to sit down and go, here's how the Lord has blessed me. Here's how the Lord has loved me. Here are the gifts that the Lord has given me. Here's how I've seen His grace in my life. And next thing you know, you've got your own personal testament to the past 
and present faithfulnesses of God. Therefore, whatever you and I are coming up against, I guarantee you he's going to operate in the same way that he always has because he does not change. What else? Mind renewers. Don't be shy. This is awkward for everybody, not just you. Congregation Participation Sunday. Here we go. James 1. Go for it. 1, 3. Uh, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Yes. Consider it joy when you experience trials. We hate that verse, don't we? Let's be honest. Man, this is a hard time. I should be considering it joy. And what bothers us is we're not. Why? Because God's doing a supernatural work behind the scenes in you and through you. That'll give you a little bit more confidence to endure a hard time, won't it? God's working. That's how God is working. Connie, you had one. Go for it. Proverbs 3. Hold it up. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Okay. Trust in the Lord. You know it. With all your heart. Trust in the, she's trying to say it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Am I acknowledging him in this? A mind renewer. Scott. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but through me. I don't know if you noticed, Scott just got King James on all of us. <laughs> Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. But there's this other way. No. If there is, Jesus lied to me. Jesus does not have a track record of lying. And sometimes I need to be reminded when people are telling me there are many ways to handle a situation. No, Jesus is the only way to handle every situation. Every question that creation has ever had is answered in the person of Christ. Let's do one more. Who else? Lori. Hold on. Uh-oh, Mary Walker. Mary Walker, Lori. Mary Walker, Lori. You know who wins that one. Hold on. In fact, we'll do two. I'm just going to... Heaven and I commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, for the Lord thy God is with you wherever you go. He is with you wherever you go. Does everybody see that the Bible really wants us to understand that God never leaves? I mean, isn't that one of the greatest hidden fears of our lives? That people will leave? If we've had past hurts because people have left? If we are broken, we have trust issues because people have abandoned us in some way? What does God want us to know? I'm your father. I will never go anywhere. Lori, last one. Proverbs 14, 30. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Did everybody hear how she said rot? Man, that's a serious verse. We don't naturally think like that. And I think what's important for us to understand is that God understands. God understands that we are in a very helpless estate. That we can't do for ourselves. That we don't eventually learn to crawl 
and then walk and then feed ourselves and then dress ourselves. We don't do that. We don't. We are always in a position as believers in Christ where we need His help. I, will, I, I have no business feeding myself. Why? Because He's the one who provides my food. I have no business moving myself. Why? Because He's the one who tells me where to go. In fact, anywhere else that I would seek to go without Him giving me direction would be wrong. Because either I'm going in the wrong direction or I'm going at the wrong time. And this is what God's Word is trying to renew in us to make us think. It's all about what He desires for our lives. It's His will, not ours. Thank God we have an example in the person of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine knowing what a cross entails? I mean, it's one thing when we get surprised by something and then it comes upon us. It's another thing when we know it's coming and all this anxiety is building up. And he even says, Father, if it be your will, make this cup pass from me. Yet, not as I will, but your will be done. God, what is your will in this situation? We are not a people left out in the cold. The Word of God is the will of God. We need our minds renewed. Let's pray. Father, thank You that You have given us an abundance of information in Your Word to reprogram us for Your glory, to live better lives, to make better choices, to live in such a way that is consistent with our citizenship in glory. You're merciful, you're awesome, and it's incredible. And if we haven't trusted you today in searching out your word, embracing your word, thinking differently, so that we see different results produced in our lives, Holy Spirit results in our lives. Father, change us today, please. Convince our minds that your word is worth it. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.